preach. I was sitting down there thinking, let's sing some more songs. I was looking at you, and you never did look at me. I was going to go do another song. Luke chapter number 17. Luke chapter number 17, and we'll read verse number 11 down through verse number 19. I will give you the thought God's laid on my heart for tonight. I've enjoyed the week, and have enjoyed the services with you, and I've enjoyed uh, tonight hearing your testimonies. Sometimes it'll do more almost for, for us to hear from each other like that. And uh, it's a blessing to hear you. I appreciate that. And I'm glad Jason's back tonight and got saved. He said, hey, how you doing? I said, who are you? I didn't even recognize him. I said, you look just like that ugly dude I saw last night. <laughs> but anyway, I'm glad you're back and got saved last night. And that's a blessing. I like it when folks get saved. I really like them to get saved and come back. <laughs> you know, and I'm glad that you were here tonight. I hope you had a great day today. The tornadoes didn't get us. I was scared to death. I heard that this morning, and they said tornado warning, and I thought, what in the world is going on? You know, we have earthquakes where I'm at, and but I can deal with that. But these tornadoes scared me to death. But uh, we were all right, and uh, Brother Gravely and I were out in his Jeep and stopped uh, at a place, and for a few minutes the wind started picking up, and, and he just latched on to me, just hugged me real hard. He did not really. He said, <laughs> I said, are you scared? I said, I said, are you nervous about the tornado? He said, no, I just wanted a hug. I don't know what he's doing. Luke chapter number 17, but we've gotten real close this week. And uh, <laughs> don't be embarrassed. You're going to go sit with his wife. <laughs> Can't take preaching. Luke chapter 17. Oh, we've had a good time together. I appreciate folks coming all the way from over there in Murfreesboro. Thank you for coming. Some of the meanest women in Tennessee. I appreciate that. And sitting in the back as always. That's a blessing. All right, Luke chapter number 17. verse number, my, my little boy Lincoln is five years old, and I called him, and uh, he was at the doctor's office. He's not sick, just a checkup, and he's embarrassed. I was talking to him on the phone. I said, what's going on? He said, I'm at the doctor. I said, you are? He said, yeah, but Dad, they got me wearing a dress. <laughs> I said, they do. I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm, they got me in a, a dress. He's wearing one of those hospital gowns. And I said, are you serious? He said, I'm serious. I said, tell mom, take your picture. I want to show it to the girls at school. He goes, dad, no, we can't do that. And I said, do you don't have anything on but a dress? He goes, well, I got my Bugs Bunny undies on, but just a dress. You never know what he's going to say. I was, uh, I, was somewhere, <laughs> I was somewhere preaching. And I was telling them about Lincoln, and I came home and said, hey, Lincoln, I was telling them all about you at that church. And I said, there's about five girls there that want to come look at you. And he said, what? He said, are you for real? I said, yeah, they want to come look at you. He goes, Dad, I, I don't want a girlfriend. And I said, they're going to come out here. And he sat there for a minute, and he goes, you serious? They're going to come out here? He's, he's interested. So if you're looking, uh, he didn't have any money, and he's got a bad attitude. But um, I think he's, he's ready. We got to get him out of those dresses, though. Luke chapter 17, verse number 11. I wish I'd have been there. I'd have killed. I'd have killed him. I mean, just picked on him relentlessly till he cries. That's what boys need, though. Luke chapter 17, verse number 11. God laid the message on my heart uh, earlier today. Really, earlier in the week, I prayed about it, and then listened to you testify tonight. I think it's, I think it's right on for what. God wants for tonight. Look with me in verse number 11. The Bible said, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. I like that. He went right down the middle. I'm glad Jesus is for everybody. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, 
they were cleansed. Now that's a miracle. What just happened? These men that were condemned, these men that were incurable, no doubt they'd cried out for help before, but on this day a man passed by that could give them what they needed. They see Jesus afar off and with their voices that were hoarse and their vocal cords ravaged by that disease, they took all the strength they had and began to cry out. And I like what they cried for. They cried for mercy. They didn't cry for justice because they were already getting that. They asked for mercy. And I like what it says. Jesus saw them. He took time to stop and consider them. By the way, you and I would be better soul winners every once in a while if we just slow down and stop. And we'd see and we'd consider the people around us. They say, have mercy on us. And he said, go show yourself to the priest. And here's the miracle. The Bible said that as they went, they were cleansed. You ever notice this? Most people want to be blessed and then obey. Every Christian wants to be blessed, but they don't want to be blessable. You say, how do I get blessed? Blessings are on the pathway of obedience to God. He said, here you do. You go, go to the priest. And as they went, the Bible said that these lepers were cleansed. That means that they were ceremonially made right. As they went, that, that disease in their body was dried up to the point where they could get restored again. They could go back to their family. They could go back to society. They could go back to their worship. They were ceremonially made right. I don't doubt that as they went to that priest and they began to look at themselves and saw the effects of that cleansing, they probably got excited about that. I'd say they shouted about that. I'd say that they were pretty uh, thrilled with the fact that they'd been cleansed and they went their way. And we don't hear about nine of them anymore after this. But in verse number 15, the Bible said, and one of them when he saw. It's amazing what you'll do when you see the grace of God work in your life. And one of them when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice he glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? They're not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. There are nine Jews and one Gentile, I suppose. There's this one man that is not just an outcast, but he's the outcast of the outcast. He's a stranger. When he sees that he's been cleansed, he stops to consider the goodness of God in his life. And he says, you know what, I can't just go on my way after Jesus has done for me what he's done for me without going back and telling him, thank you. And so he goes back and falls down at his feet, and just for a little while he just says, thank you. He glorifies God. For a little while tonight I want to preach on this thought. I just want to say thank you, Jesus. I think it might help us tonight if we just took time out to say thank you for how good God's been in our life. Let's pray together. God, I pray for your help tonight. I pray that you would give us liberty. I pray that you'd remove any kind of hindrance and distraction. And I pray that we'd consider the goodness of God in our life tonight and that you'd hurt, uh, stir the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I read the statement that said, when gratitude dies on the altar of a man's heart, he's well nigh hopeless. I thought about gratitude. You know what it is? Gratitude is all about remembering. In fact, if we have trouble in the area of gratitude, it's because we have a problem in the area of remembering. I think that's where America is tonight. In fact, I think we have a lot of problems where that is the main problem in America. 
Everything else we see going on in our country is sprouting out of the fact that we aren't remembering the goodness of God and because of that we're not thankful and not showing gratitude. I'm talking about the attitude of arrogance that we see today. It's because there's a strong sense of ingratitude. We don't have gratitude today for the freedoms that we enjoy. I don't think we have much gratitude for those who fought and died for those freedoms. I'm afraid we have a lack of gratitude for the blessings that we enjoy in America. You know what grateful people do? Grateful people draw on the memories of being blessed in the past. They don't walk around acting like a victim and they don't walk around magnifying their hurts and they don't walk around with some sort of chip on their shoulder but they remember how good it's been in days gone by. It doesn't matter if it's temporal or an eternal blessing but a person who is a grateful person, they keep it alive in their heart because they choose to remember the goodness of God in their life. I read a statement that says gratitude is the memory of the heart. And I'm afraid we live in a day where there's an obvious failure, not just out in the world, but I'm talking about amongst God's people to look back and see the hand of God and the blessings of God and the goodness of God at work in our life. I'm afraid we think that we're entitled and we don't appreciate the blessings because we're so wrapped up in believing that we're owed something. The Bible says in Romans 1:21 because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God neither were thankful. That's a far cry from the Apostle Paul who understood he wasn't owed anything, but he owed God everything. And he said, i tell you what I am. I am a debtor. I want to tell you tonight, God doesn't owe you anything, and God doesn't owe me ever anything, and everything I have in my life, I got that by the grace of God. Tonight, our generation is so blessed that even saved people sometimes act like they deserve to get more from God. I think that's why our altars are so empty. I think that's why testimonies are so dead. I think that's why amens are so hard to find. I think that's why tears have dried up. I think that's why we fall in line with our culture and don't try to fall in line with our Bible. It's because we feel like we're owed something from God. I want to remind you tonight that if I got what I deserved from God and if you got what you deserved from God, we wouldn't be sitting in a padded pew tonight with our hand raised in the air talking about how good it is to be saved, but tonight every single one of us would be burning in hell right now. Anything more than hell for you and anything more than hell for me is more than I deserve. God doesn't owe me anything, but I owe him everything. Tonight I understand I'm a recipient. I'm a beneficiary. I've been blessed and highly favored by God. I owe a debt for every breath I breathe. I owe a debt for every day I live. I owe a debt for every meal I eat. I owe a debt for every step I take. I owe a debt for every prayer that gets answered. I owe a debt for the family I have. I owe a debt for the home I live in. I owe a debt for the money that I make. I owe a debt for the health I enjoy. I owe a debt for the church I attend. Everything in my life came to my life from God. And every area of my life has been touched by His goodness, wrapped in His grace, and guided by His hand. I could be in jail tonight but 
for the grace of God. I could be drunk tonight, but for the grace of God. I could have a broken life tonight, but for the grace of God. I could be in a place with no gospel tonight, but for the grace of God. I could be lost, but for the grace of God. I'm happy today that God didn't give me what I deserve. I'm glad I didn't get what was coming to me. I'm glad God did me better than what he should have. I'm glad for mercy. I'm glad for love, and I'm glad for his grace. I'm glad he cleansed me, and he made me whole. And tonight, what I think it'd be good to do is just clear off the spot and remember how good God's been in my life and how good God's been in your life and just call time out and shout and say, I just want to say, thank you, Jesus. Psalm 30 and verse 12 says, Oh, Lord, my God, I'll give thanks unto thee forever. Gratitude may die on the altar of our generation, but may it never perish on the altar of the Christian. It might be a bygone expression in our day, but that ought to be the theme of our life. I just want to say thank you. I just want to say thank you, Jesus, for every breath. And thank you, Jesus, for every step. And thank you, Jesus, for every day. And thank you, Jesus, for my home. And thank you, Jesus, for salvation. What a revival might take place in our cold, dead heart tonight if we just remember and meditate on how good God has been and then make a trip back to Jesus' feet and fall down and worship Him and thank Him for everything. Bless the Lord, oh my soul and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. I like it. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you in everything, for everything. When my eyes open, thank you. When I go to sleep at night, thank you. When my feet touch the floor, thank you. As I walk through the day thank you as I sit down at the table thank you my heart cry ought to be thank you Jesus my heart beat thank you my eyes blink thank you my lungs breathe thank you every time I move thank you it ought to be the air of my life it ought to be the theme of my existence the persona of my being ought to be thank you Jesus we sing the song and I owe it all to you Lord all I have to is yours Lord Lord you're the best thing that ever happened to me. Luke 17 gives us a lesson in a few different areas. It gives us a lesson in forgiveness. It gives us a lesson in faith. It gives us a lesson in the future. And it gives us a lesson in the fruit of just saying thank you. Here Christ is en route to Jerusalem. In a couple of chapters he'll arrive in the city for the last time. He'll have the last supper with his disciples. He'll pray in agony in the garden. Then ultimately he'll be taken to Calvary and die for our sins. Our text opens with him passing through an unnamed village that the Bible describes by the region in which it's located. In verse 11, we'll read it. It says, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now that's an amazing thing because it gives us insight into the heart of our Savior tonight. Because when you read that phrase, the midst of Samaria and Galilee, and you know anything about your Bible, that speaks volumes about the love of Christ for sinful men. Samaria and Galilee are regions of mixed blood if you will. It's not strictly Jew and it's not strictly Gentile but it's a region where those would live that were unwanted those that were looked down upon those that were esteemed lower than dirt and like a dog. I like the fact that Jesus isn't like the rabbis of his day. He's not like the Jewish heads of the hour. He wouldn't avoid that area but I like the fact that it says Jesus went right down the middle. 
you study the ministry of Christ and you find he'll perform 25 miracles right in that area. He'll be, give 19 parables right in that area. He'll choose his disciples right out of that area. He'll make his ministry home base right in that area. And it reminds us that Jesus goes to the down and out. Jesus goes to the overlooked. Jesus goes to those nobody wants. Jesus goes to those that are broken. And I'm glad that's who our Savior is. As you read down into the text, we find the village. Now the village is not known by its name, but the village is represented by ten men that lived on the outskirts of the village. In verse number 12 it says, and as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. Now we're talking about an outcast region. So here in this outcast region are ten men who are the outcasts of the outcast crowd. Right here in the middle of Samaria and Galilee is a place of rejects. And here are the rejects of the reject crowd. I mean, we're talking about people that were called dogs and dirt. Well, these folks are lower than the dogs and the dirt that made up the citizens of that city. The Bible tells us these ten men are lepers. They're not known by their 401k. They're not known by their college degree. They're not known by their occupation. They're not known by Democrat or Republican. They're, they're known by their disease. Their identity is wrapped up totally in their affliction. The Bible doesn't tell us their names. It just calls them lepers. They might have been fathers. I don't know, but I know they were lepers. They might have been brothers. I don't know, but I know they were lepers. They might have been carpenters. I don't know, but I know they were lepers. They might have been fishermen. I don't know, but I know that they were lepers. I know they're broken. I know they're marked. I know they got a stigma on their life and they've been wrecked by their condition. Now you study it out. There's ten of them. Nine of them are Jews and one of them is a Samaritan. Normally those people would not congregate together, but it's amazing how a shared condition can put everybody in a big group together. You know this already, but leprosy in the Bible is a fatal thing. It's a fellowship breaking thing. It's a flesh destroying thing. And every aspect of life would be touched by the terrible effects of leprosy. In every way that you can imagine, leprosy is a disease that would destroy the body and steal everything away from the one who had it. When you label these ten men as a leper, the Bible tells us a lot about them. Number one, it tells us about their physical condition. They had a condition in their body that would totally ravage their body. It would work from the inside to the outside. Leprosy would strike hard and it would stain deep. It would affect the nerve endings of their body so they couldn't feel things they used to feel. It would affect their eyes so they couldn't see things they used to see. It would affect their nose so they couldn't smell things they used to smell. It would ravage their appearance so that everybody would know that individual right there is a leper. Everywhere they went it would be all over them that that person has that disease. There's a physical condition but then there's the social consequences. They couldn't mix in with the general public. They were taken from their family. They were taken from society and made to dwell outside the city in a leper colony. They'd have to walk around and yell out unclean lest anybody else be defiled by contacting them. If they sat on a stone, the stone was unclean. If they drank from a stream, the stream was unclean. These men were totally cut off from life. They were cut off from family and separated. Thirdly, it tells us about the religious condemnation. 
as they walked around yelling unclean. They weren't advertising anything physical. They were advertising that which is spiritual. As they walked around with that shout of unclean, they were basically signifying to the world, I'm not right with God. I'm unrighteous. I'm separated from God. I can't go to worship. I can't get a sacrifice. I don't have a priest. I've got no entrance into the temple. I'm not right with God. Can you imagine the lot of these men as they dwelled outside the city, separated from their families, cut off from society, and barred from the things of God? If ever a man was without hope, these men are without hope. They have no hope in the medical realm. They have no hope in the social realm. They have no hope in the spiritual realm. And so they've been left to die and decay outside of the city. I don't doubt you could hear them. The people inside the city could hear their cry. They'd hear the cry from those hoarse voices. Unclean, unclean. No doubt it might have haunted their ears and troubled their hearts. And they'd mix those cries with cries of agony. But the law had already answered. They're condemned to die. I wonder how many times. I wonder how many times they prayed and pleaded and begged for mercy. Unclean, mercy. But they found none. Unclean mercy, but they found none. Unclean help, and nobody answered their cry. I wonder if one day a scribe passed by. I wonder if a priest passed by. I wonder if a doctor might have come close. I wonder if a friend or their family might have come near, and they said, mercy, and the doctor said, no mercy. And the priest said, I've got no mercy. And the scribe said, I've got no mercy. And their friends said, I've got no mercy. And it hit them. They found out there's no mercy in the law. And there's no mercy in religion. And there's no mercy in secularism. And there's no mercy in their peers. But they took their bucket of hope. And they dropped it down every well of possibility. But every time they drew up that bucket, they found it bone dry and empty. My, what a miserable way to live. Broken by that disease. Tormented and tortured by that without any hope or mercy. But isn't it just like God to send grace where it's wanted the most? That's a good place to say hallelujah. Isn't it good? Isn't it good just like God to send grace where it's wanted the most? Isn't it like God to send fullness where he finds the most emptiness? Isn't it just like God to send hope where it looks the most hopeless? Isn't it just like God to send mercy where it's the closest to judgment? I've said it before other places, but I'll say it tonight that every time you read the story, you can look for God there because he's always the superhero. Amen. And thank God here in verse 12, it doesn't just talk about ten men. There's also a he in the verse. And can I say the he in the verse is more important than the ten lepers in the verse. You see that he in the verse is Jesus. Oh happy day when Jesus passes by. It was a good day for the twelve when Jesus passed by. It was a good day for Nicodemus when Jesus passed by. It was a good day for Samaritan woman when Jesus passed by. It was a good day for Bartimaeus when Jesus passed by. It was a good day for Zacchaeus when Jesus passed by. I can see those 12 lepers. The Bible said they're afar off. That disease had separated them far and wide. But they cried out. They mustered up all their strength. And with those voices that were ravaged by leprosy, they began to cry in that muted tone. And the cry of the leper was not unclean, unclean on this day. But when they saw that man, their heart was motivated to cry out for mercy. I can hear him as 
as they cry. They've exhausted every other avenue. They've tried every other source. They've tried every other remedy and found them all empty. But on this day, they look at Jesus and they say, mercy. We've got no other option. Mercy. We've got no other hope. Mercy. We've got no other answer. God, we need mercy. In verse 13, the cry is this, have mercy on us. You know what mercy is? Mercy's not getting what you do deserve. Mercy's being guilty but not facing the sentence. Mercy's being wrong but being treated like you're right. Oh my. Deserving chains but being set free. And in verse number 14, I like it. Mercy answers the call where justice has been serving sentence. And the Bible said that Jesus stops and he looks on those lepers. Those lepers that have been overlooked. Those lepers that have been cast away. And he gives them instruction. And he said I want you to go and show yourself under the priest. Now Jesus knew there's no power in that priest. But my there's power in faith and he said if you'll obey my command and you'll go show yourself to the priest then you can be cleansed and here's what the Bible says those ten men rise up from where they are walking around in grave clothes I mean their body ravaged with that disease every step they took no doubt ravaged with pain every time they moved it would hurt but as they took those first few painful steps all of a sudden they began to look down at their body and they thought wait a minute I don't hurt anymore wait Wait a minute, I'm not oozing anymore. Wait a minute, I don't feel the way I used to feel. There's been a great change in my life. What in the world? And they looked at themselves and found out, man, I've been cleansed. The faith in that man has just changed my life. You better believe they didn't sit there like a bunch of dead Baptists on a Thursday night. I'd say they shouted around and I thought, whoa, I can go back to my family now. I can go back to my job now. I can go back to my house now. I can go back to the temple now everything that leprosy took away thank God that man gave it back that disease stole a lot but thank God mercy gave it back I've been changed I'm a newborn now I've been cleansed and they went on their way but one of them I like this in verse 15 one of them when he saw that he was healed he turned back with a loud voice and glorified God now, can you see what's happening right here? One out of ten isn't focused on getting back what he lost so much that he misses the one who gave him back everything that he lost. He slows down long enough to see the goodness of God in his life. And it says he saw it. He said, man, i tell you something. I've seen something in my life that I can't explain. And once he saw that Jesus had done something for him, and he realized what the Lord was doing in his life. His heart wouldn't let him run off to some priest. His heart wouldn't let him go back to his family. His heart wouldn't let him get back to work. His heart didn't take him back to his house. But his heart compelled him to run and fall down at Jesus' feet and to give him glory for what he'd done in his life. That voice that was hoarse is now crystal clear. That, that skin that was ravaged is now clean. No 
longer does he have to cry out, I'm not right with God. But now he can fall down at the feet of God in flesh and give him glory. And the last word of verse 16 is such a powerful word as you read it. It's that he fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks. But watch this. He was a Samaritan. You know what that tells me? That that man was unwanted even before he was a leper. That man was hated even before he got the disease. That man was cast off even before he was condemned. That man was looked down on even before he got the disease in his body. He'd always had a stigma. He'd always had a shadow. He'd always had a cloud. He'd always had a condemnation. He'd never been welcomed in the temple. He'd never had a sacrifice. He'd never had a worship. He'd never had a good life before. It wasn't just a disease that made him that way. He'd always been that way. He was the outcast. He was the reject. He was the unwanted. He was a stranger. And can I say he must have realized the mercy of God was good to those Jews, but they've always had the promise. They've always had that kind of mercy. They've always had that kind of grace. But I tell you what, I understand what I am. I'm an old Gentile dog. I was an alien. I was a stranger. I was outside. I was out of the camp. I wasn't grafted in. But thank God the same mercy that came to them a promise has come to me outside a promise. The same grace of God. The same love of God. The same forgiveness of God. He said, I tell you what, I'm just an old Gentile leper. I ought to be dead outside the camp. I ought to be rotten outside the camp. I ought to be decaying outside the camp. But he made me new. He even looked on me. He even loved on me. He said, I can't go home yet. I can't go anywhere else. I gotta go back to the one that made me whole. And just for a minute, I want to say, thank you, Jesus. I don't deserve it. I didn't merit it. I'm not the man I used to be. My life is different now. And I just want to say, thank you, Jesus. He's been too good. He's been too good for me to go home. He's been too good for me to run anywhere else. I just want to lay down at his feet and say, thank you, Jesus, for cleansing me. Woo, that man who was living outside of society now finds himself at the feet of the Savior. Woo, he's a new creature, and he's happy about it. He's not hurting anymore, and he's happy about it. His life is different, and he's happy about it. He was a picture of decay, and now he's a trophy of amazing grace. He went from darkness to light and death to life and a stranger to a son of God. And I tell you what he is, he's where sin abounded and found out where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. And I'm no Bible scholar, but in verse number 19 it said unto him, look at it, arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made me whole. Now I'm no Bible scholar and neither are they. Say amen right there. But I think there's something better about being made whole than just being cleansed. You say, what do you mean? To be cleansed means I'm ceremonially right, but every stain, every scar would still be there. The rest of my life, I'd still bear those marks in my body where you could look on me and say, well, I used to be a leper. But this fella, because he took time to say thank you and went back and laid down at his feet and just showed some gratitude, Jesus said, I'm going to give you more. I tell you what, because you're thankful for your cleansing, I'm going to give, do exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think. And he said, your faith make you whole. You say, what does that mean? That means complete restoration. Not just ceremonial right, but physically, totally, 
changed. And when you looked at that man, it was not like he was a leper cleansed, but as though he had never been a leper at all. You could look at him and the scars are now gone. You could look at him and the scabs are now gone. You could look at him, the stench is now gone. No signs, it's all gone, gone, gone. Yes, his leprosy is gone. He was once consumed with that disease and now he's covered in grace. And he said, I just got to go back to the one who did it for me and tell him thank you. Now let me apply it real quick and we'll go home. Last time I checked, there's not a person in this place that was born saved. None of us were born inside the camp. None of us were born perfectly pure. None of us were born unbroken. But all of us were born a spiritual leper, separated from the things of God, condemned and lost without the Savior. We were strangers like that Samaritan. We were aliens and we were spiritually a leper. And like the leper, we were without hope until the day that Jesus passed by. I'm looking out tonight at a bunch of lepers who've been cleansed. Amen. Just a bunch of lepers who've been made whole. And I tell you, if it helped that fella in the text, it'd probably help us tonight if every once in a while we'd swing back by the day we got born again, the day we got pulled from the fire, the day Jesus rescued us, and then we'd fall down at his feet and said, I just want to thank you. Do you remember when you were drowning in a sea of sin, going down for the last time, but then you called upon his name? You remember that time when he threw out the lifeline to you and he pulled you out of that water? You were sinking in that mire. You were wallowing in. Well, tonight, I think we ought to just take a minute and say, thank you, Jesus. All I have is because of him. All I am is because of him. Where I'm heading is because of him. I just want to thank you for Jesus. Let gratitude die down the road, but don't let it die here. I ought to be in hell. I just want to say, thank you, Jesus. I ought to be lost. I just want to say, thank you, Jesus. I don't deserve his mercy. I want to say, thank you, Jesus. That disease that stole so much away, he gave it all back to me the day I got saved. I want to say thank you, Jesus, for your affection. Thank you, Jesus, for assurance of salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for being all in all. Thank you, Jesus, for the atonement for my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for being my advocate. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm born again. Thank you, Jesus, for being a blessing. Thank you, Jesus, for the bread of life. Thank you, Jesus, for the balm of Gilead. Thank you, Jesus, for being a bulwark in my battle. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you, Jesus, for being born in Bethlehem. Thank you, Jesus, for comfort. Thank you for my church. Thank you for consolation. Thank you for counsel. I just want to say thank you for convicting me. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for Calvary. I just want to say thank you for my cleansing and thank you for my deliverance and thank you for divine intervention. I just want to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for daily benefits. Thank you for eternal life. Thank you for every breath I breathe. Thank you for the energy to serve you. Thank you for being an encouragement. I want to say thank you tonight. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for family. Thank you for friends. Thank you for faith. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for the food on the table. I want to say thank you, Jesus. I want to say thank you for grace. Thank you for goodness. Thank you for guiding me. Thank you for being God. And thank you for glory. I want to say thank you for golden streets. Thank you for hope. And thank you for help. I want to say thank you for heaven. Thank you for health. I want to say thank you for my home. And thankful for heart. I'm thank you, Jesus, for imputation. Thank you for illumination. Thank you for inspiration. Thank 
Thank you for instruction. Thank you, Jesus, for love. Thank you, Jesus, for life. Thank you, Jesus, for liberty. Thank you, Jesus, for being long-suffering. I just want to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for justification. Thank you for kindness. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for the ministry. Thanks for being my master. Thanks for being mine. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for not forsaking me. Thank you, Jesus, for never leaving me. Thank you, Jesus, for numbering my steps. Thank you, Jesus, for knowing my name. Thank you for your omnipotence. Thank you for your omnipresence. Thank you for your omniscience. I want to say thank you for your power. Thank you for your protection. Thank you for your purity. Thank you for your peace. Thank you for your providence. Thank you for your provision. Thankful for a good plenty. Thank you for redemption. Thankful for resurrection. Thank you for restoration. And thank you for revival. I just want to say thank you, Jesus. I want to say thank you for salvation. Thank you for the Spirit of God. Thank you for supplying my needs. Thankful for for a second chance. I want to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for taking time for me. Thank you for taking my place on Calvary. Thank you for talking to me every day. Thank you for taking me home to glory. Thank you for understanding. Thank you for undergirding. Thank you for undertaking. Thank you for everything. I want to say thank you for victory. Thank you for vitality. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for the valley. And thank you for going through it with me. I want to say thank you, Jesus, for working for me. Thank you for letting me work for you. I want to say thank you for watching over me. Thank you for taking care of me. Thank you for taking time for me. Thank you for taking away my sin. Amen. I want to say thank you for yield. Help me yield to you and then give me zero chance of ever going to hell. Can I say tonight, God's been good to us tonight. Every single one of us from front to back. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what your name is. I don't care what kind of car you drive. I don't care if you've been saved a day or decades. Every one of us tonight have reason to shout till we see Jesus face to face because God has been good in our life. We ought to be in hell right now with our back broke. We don't deserve love. We don't deserve grace. I didn't merit mercy, but I'm glad for the grace of God that came to me. I'm glad he saved me one day, put me in the family of God, washed me in his blood, and promises me heaven. Thank God for that. You remember that day you got saved? You ought to be in hell. When's the last time you said thank you? You ought to be in prison, maybe. When's the last time you said thank you? You could be all alone. When's the last time you said thank you? Have you eaten some food today? When's the last time you said thank you? You got a Bible? When's the last time you said thank you? Ever had a prayer answered? When's the last time you said thank you? You got a good church to go to? When's the last time you said thank you? You ever felt the touch of God? When's the last time you said thank you? You ever heard his voice? When's the last time you said thank you? You ever felt the fire burn inside of you? When's the last time you said thank you? When's the last time you said thank you for the brethren? Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for second chances and friends. And oh, thank you for my clothes I wear and, my, and the country I live in and for being so good. I'd say when Noah got off that ark, he built an altar said, thank you. David, all those victories in his life, careful to say thank you, gave us the Psalms. I'd say those Hebrew boys, when they got out of that fire, probably took some time to say thank you. Paul said in everything, give thanks. I want to say thank you. Number one, he looked my way. Number two, he listened to my cry. I'm not going to preach the points. And number three, he loved me enough to cleanse me. I've seen the goodness of God.
And I don't want to fail just to tell him thank you. You want to burn a path toward revival? I'll tell you, the quickest route to revival is gratitude. You say, I wish I could get more from God. Well, why don't you get up in his lap tonight and just love on him a little bit? And don't come ask for anything and just say, I just want to say thank you for a little while tonight. Maybe grab your family and pray together or whatever and just say, I just want to say thank you, Lord, for your blessings in my life. I'm going to pray the altar be open. Just spend some time tonight maybe say thank you. If he didn't do anything else for you but keep you out of hell, you got reason to say thank you tonight. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. I pray God will speak to your heart. I just want to say thank you, Jesus. I'm glad he reached way down. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, never to get over the fact that we're saved. And I pray that we wouldn't get entitled, walk around like we're owed anything. I pray you'd help us to live like we're debtors because we are. And I pray that we'd be forever thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. This altar is open. Would you come say thank you tonight? Would you do it?